0: You're listening to the John Clark cast. I'm your host, John Clark, group, uh, licensed counselor. <laughs> getting the order backwards here. Licensed counselor, group practice owner, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. And today I'm sitting down with uh, uh, Jeff Payton from uh, Portland, Oregon, talking about um, his journey in private practice and um, basically um, how to love your thriving solo Practice, um, Really great episode, a lot of honesty in this episode, a lot of depth to it. So I hope you'll enjoy it. And without further ado, let's dive in. Building a private practice can be tough, but I believe that it doesn't have to be. And so uh, I, I like to help you make things a whole lot easier. Um, if you're interested in working with me, head to thejohnclark.com and uh, apply for a free strategy session. That's thejohnclark.com to apply for a free strategy session. Um, in the meantime, do me a big favor, rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you are listening. That really helps us get the word out and continue to grow the show. And um, otherwise, tell a friend. Uh, about the show as well. Share your favorite episode. And um, thank you in advance for helping us uh, move things forward. All right. Um, Welcome back to another episode of the John Clark cast. And I have a special guest today. It's Jeffrey Payton out in Portland, Oregon, happens to be one of my favorite places, and uh, so I'm infinitely jealous, (laughs) but also I get to visit (laughs) a lot because I've got family there. Um, Jeff, I am so glad you're on the show, and I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, uh, Why don't you just take a second to kind of introduce yourself, and then we'll we'll dive in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be here, John, and uh, yeah, I'm in lovely Portland, Oregon, and have no plans to leave ever, if uh, I can... (laughs) make that happen (laughs) yeah i'm uh i'm uh in private practice i am a sole practitioner and i work with adolescents uh solely with adolescents i specialize Mm -hmm. exclusively with adolescent mental health and substance use and uh yeah i'm also uh in addition to working as a therapist i've been in practice for 13 or 14 years and i've been a had my own practice for about five i'm also a professional musician so i'm a had a career as a symphony musician, an orchestra musician, as a percussionist and a conductor, and I still do those things. So I still uh, play in the orchestra with the Oregon Ballet and Portland Opera, and I'm on the conducting staff for the Oregon Ballet, and I conduct a youth orchestra here in Portland. So I continue the musical side of things in addition to uh, working with all these teenagers out here.
0: Very cool. I feel like more therapists need something like that, <laughs> just some, yeah. something to balance the clin- the you know, the nonstop clinical hours with something that is using c- uh, quite different parts of your brain. You I know, know, right?
1: It's like you go, you see one person, and then one person, and then one person, then you go home.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You go home
2: and try I, to, I get to see one person, clear your and then mind. go to rehearsal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Go play some Verdi, or go play some uh, Prokofiev, or go play yeah. some Mozart. Yeah, it's
0: awesome. <laughs> Music is one of those things that, um, you know, puts you in a, that state of flow where you have to focus on the task at hand. And if you don't, someone's going to notice really quick,
2: especially with the yeah, level right?
0: that you play at and, and conduct yeah. at, right? So yeah. It, yeah. it must be, there must be something pretty, you know, pretty cathartic there as well in terms of just being able to fully focus on what's in front of you.
1: Yeah. For sure. And that, there is something about just being present for stuff. And so when you're performing, you're just with what you're doing. You're with mm. the music. You're with your colleagues and you're listening and responding. And it's kind of, it actually parallels pretty well with therapy, I think.
2: Sure, sure. You're
1: present. You don't know what you got to do it moment by moment. And if you kind of anticipate or expect that it should go a certain way, you might miss something. Um, I think the, you,
0: therapy yeah. is very much like improv. And, For any musicians, Mm -hmm. like if you've ever played improv um, with other musicians and had a general (laughs) idea of where it's going, you know what I mean? You start it with the chord sequence. Um, You learn a lot about listening, you know, in other ways of listening. For sure. (laughs) Being okay with not knowing precisely what's going to happen on the next beat. So, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a pretty handy parallel to therapy, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, you bet. We all should do some improvisation somewhere in our lives. Oh, totally! Because it just shakes us up in a good way.
0: Totally, yeah. This is it's going to be my second career, acting or improv. And oh, um, nice. Yeah, I'm. I've taken a couple of acting classes and felt so humbled by it. Uh huh. And yeah. I get, you know, I get frustrated quickly if I'm not good at something, which is not a good
2: attribute. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, I promise yeah. I'm going to go back to it at some point because I do think therapy has a lot of parallels with that as well you know and responding in the yeah. moment um mm-hmm. you bet does does anyone um you know in that in your life of music ever try to get free therapy from you or they ever like you know
2: bend oh, yeah, your ear while you're in rehearsal <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, hey, can I talk to you about my kid? She's
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> smoking
1: weed, and I need to know what to do. Or hey, I'm struggling with I'm drinking too much. Can we talk?
0: And it's like, oh man, I wish I could.
1: <laughs> I like you a lot, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to refer you out. <laughs> right, right.
0: I'm just a musician or right just,
1: now. <laughs> yeah, buy me a coffee, and we can chat for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you you and I first did some work together because you know you got in touch and it was kind of like I've got a great practice I've got a full practice a clear focus and yeah. and now I'm working on this whole thing this whole uh you know thing this little thing called a website yeah which is yep. which is funny because most folks are on the other end of it which is I'm working f- you know full time on this this damn website because I need at least one client you know, to not go yeah, broke. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a way that you know we we started working together because I there's we all kind of struggle with this scarcity mindset of this whole thing could fall apart at any time or it. it's not going to come to me or everyone's doing it better than I am or some variation of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I was too fearful about the practice fading or falling apart, but I wanted to make sure I was talking to folks who have a high level of competence and stuff. And I, Mm -hmm. I suffer from that malady of, uh, I do things myself because I should be able to and Mm -hmm. making sure I reach out and go, Hey, let's, can I check in about this? Cause I'm not like really quite sure if -hmm. I'm doing this well, or could I do it better or, and Mm -hmm. being an individual therapist is a very, uh, can be an isolating kind of uh, solitary experience, and yeah. the marketing piece we I, I very much valued having outside perspective and and um, not even just the practical concrete stuff, but how do we approach this whole business of mm. sharing the brand that's us, that's me, that
0: well, you know, it's you
1: know not, not so much about selling, but getting that message out.
0: What's interesting yeah. is you had already been doing. Uh, working in a very focused way in your clinical work in your business, and then it came time to how, how do I describe what I do? You know what I mean? How do I put words to uh-huh. this thing yeah. that i 've already been doing so long and been doing well and successfully yeah. w- whereas again the the a place where most therapists are is they go, i know i 'm a good therapist, but I have no clients or I have two clients, and I need to craft this message that 's somehow going to get me twenty twenty clients.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah and
1: and finding that balance between uh and you know growing or just going deeper and clarifying and I think for me what was so helpful was to to get clear on how this is gonna progress, yeah because for sure I could grow into a group practice, but I just it just didn't feel right for me and but the thought of. Clarifying what I do and getting really, really clear on, you know, identifying that category and really owning it and niching down and then niching down some more. So Mm that's like, okay, this is really crystal clear for me. And then there's a great deal of, uh, I think, a great deal of confidence that could come with, okay, if I'm clear, that means I can communicate clearly. Mm. about, and I can reach those those young people that will very much benefit from support. They're looking for help,
2: yeah. but how do
1: they find it? Yeah. And the clarity piece is very important. It's, it feels very important that there's as few obstacles between that panicked mom with the self-harming child or who just got arrested for smoking weed. How do they yeah. find help with as few barriers as possible? Mm. And so my side of it is, okay, I can be really clear about what I offer and I'm right there and make that process as easy as possible. So the website's part of that. The, um, the way I communicate the, the focus of my practice, the way I work with the folks once they get on board, right. all of, um, would really benefited from that, that work. Absolutely.
0: Well, and when it comes to niche, you know, I think most therapists have it backwards as well, where they go, well, if I, you know, if I kind of draw a line in the sand and say, I just work with X, then I'm only going to work with X for the rest of my career. But Mm -hmm. the reality is you're just, you're creating one door that is an entry into you, to working with you and your practice, and you're going to end up doing uh, a diversity of things regardless. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or even w- working with, with teenagers, you're going to end up working, doing a bunch of different things, working with the parents. Sometimes there's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, uh, the that teenager will eventually be a college student and then they might still be seeing you, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. It, I just think therapists get kind of tweaked out about like, it's almost like commitment issues or like, you know, fear of if I, if I say I do one thing, then people are going to not also know that I do these other things or I do EMDR and DBT and, you know, all this, mm-hmm. all this madness.
1: Yeah. That, that, that worry that if I don't have the magical, um, treatment approach of the week or that I need to be able to work with anybody who comes through the door. Yeah. I have certainly felt that absolutely. Yeah. When I started practice, it was like, jeez. Yeah. And I did take some adults along the way and I did mm-hmm. a little marriage counseling. And it's like, oh man, this is, this, this isn't it. Um, yeah. Partially because if we're trying to r- establish some level of visualization in our community, visibility in our community, it's what makes us distinct that's going to allow that to happen. And how how do we clarify that distinction and then really elevate it, which inevitably means letting 90% of the rest of it go.
2: and
1: mm. We really go deep into that thing. And I, there is that question of, okay, who's going to pay for services? Yep. Yep. You know. there is that piece. And one of the reasons I work with adolescents is, well, first of all, I love working with adolescents. I think it's such a wonderful age to work with kids and they really value and appreciate the support when they make contact. But it's Mm -hmm. also honestly, families are going to pay for help for their children, Mm -hmm. right? Where adults may not pay for help for themselves from time Mm -hmm. to time. So that was a calculated business decision. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that plays into it Yeah. You know, picking picking a a window of working with people that has that combination of need and viability from a business perspective totally I'm sure that's an important conversation yeah because it
0: is and, a and and i think too many folks try to force it where they go you know they choose something out of obligation or maybe even choose something uh, out of obligation too early on, where you don't have enough of a sample size to know what you enjoy doing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I agree, and I, I think you know when I was early on in my practice, I did a bunch of different things, and I saw folks of all ages. That did, I did like you, I did some couples work, and you also mm-hmm. have to be—you have to be okay with finding those areas where you're not very strong or where you just go, okay, this is important work, but f- not for me, you know, and for me that was mm-hmm. couples work I'm yeah. going, this is really mm-hmm. important work, yep. but it's not for me. My, my sweet yep. spot is, yep. you know, tw- 25 year old, 25 year olds with social anxiety. And that's, that's just going to be my spot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, the, and the other part of that is, you know, how do we, how do we make contact with those folks in our community that will, uh, respond to what we're offering. So, you know, how do we develop that referral relationship stream? And I think the, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, you know, when, when I made contact with you is I, I had the benefit of having worked in the field for a while and had developed some good referrals, um, that knew me from my work. I worked in wilderness therapy and adventure based therapy for a number of years. And, there's folks in that community that knew my work with kids and families, and so when I transitioned into private practice, they were like, oh, great. Uh, so finding that, sometimes we do it from we get done with our training, and then we get into a group practice, or maybe we do some agency work, or we're doing community mental health, or we're working at the VA, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Those relationships still, they carry with us, and getting ourselves in front of the folks who are going to be looking for those referrals is I think a a very helpful piece in this digital age of digital marketing. We forget Mm -hmm. that that in-person relationship is going to be the thing that hopefully is our primary stream. At least for me, it is.
0: Well, and I think if that's part of, you know, what's fueling your practice, you, you have to be diligent about furthering those relationships. And that's, I think that's something that you do. And what I don't like is when therapists go, they they kind of network out of obligation and they go mm-hmm. drop off fruit baskets at physician's office and offices yeah. and then wonder why no one calls. And it's like, that's not a relationship, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. A fruit basket isn't yeah. a relationship. Well, it you know, might yeah. be a different kind it's of relationship.
1: Speed, speed date. It's speed dating.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, with fruit.
1: But sometimes doesn't really wind up with a marriage. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we so, we
1: honestly don't need uh, that many referrals. I I have a well, something that
2: made, yeah.
1: made us as helpful for folks. One of the things that I'm doing, um, and I'm going to continue doing, is I'm going to find the people who do exactly what I do and do it really well, and build relationships with those people, because they're going to be mm-hmm. full, they're going to as I am, and they're going to be looking for folks who. That have work with a really specific segment of the population, yep. and rather than than not talking to those people, oh, they're going to steal my clients, or if yeah, they learn yeah. about me somehow. Right? We we tend to be a little bit of averse to to making contact with those folks who are in our very same niche. Yeah. I I think that's a really potent place, actually.
0: I think you're um, absolutely right, it, and. Well, and this is another place where therapists have it completely backwards. They end up networking with people who are equally as who, who, whose calendars are equally empty.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and they go, yeah. "Hey,
0: maybe we could send each other clients." Do you have any clients? No. Do you? No. And then they go, mm-hmm. "Well, networking didn't work."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's stages to it. I think. I mean, I've certainly been in that space when, when I opened my practice. And I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? I I, I kind of had an idea, but so many of us were not trained how to do this practice building piece. We really know how to do therapy well, hopefully. And we know kind of who we want to work with. And we get an office and we get a website stitched together. And mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, now what? Um And the the going wide versus going deep, I think, is is a great temptation because we want to catch all comers. Mm -hmm. We just want to have billable hours. But my experience tells me the thing that helps distinguish us within our community and and build our practice is to really stand out. Mm. And standing out means being specific. Standing out means really targeting a, a, a group of folks or a way of working. And just really stick to that, and have confidence mm-hmm. in that, right? The the reason we get attracted to a niche is because there's something about working with those those folks that has great value for us, which means that gets translated to our clients, and hopefully they experience that as valuable. Um, and there's it needs to be sustainable. So, you know, I would I would love to work with with veterans in PTSD. I think that's such powerful work. Mm-hmm. And I probably wouldn't be able to sustain it. Yeah. I don't think it matches with with where I get energy from the practice. Yeah, um, and so I it's and it's scary because we like I can't I can't narrow that much. You know I need mm-hmm. I need clients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's understandable.
0: You know, you seem to have developed a certain wisdom about. About your clinic work and about your business, um, how do you think that came to be
1: that's a uh, great question i I suspect part of it is well, I have the advantage of this is my second career my third career actually so I had ten years or so of being a professional musician and 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 going 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 into a very uh, uh <laughs> Talk about being a niche,
0: <laughs> being a classical
1: orchestra <laughs> yeah. percussionist
0: Percussion, yeah.
1: Lyon. You know, going to Juilliard is like, that's, that's a really narrow. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so kind of hanging out with that and then going into arts administration. So I've had the experience of, you know, working in large nonprofits and then ultimately working as a vice president for a major symphony orchestra and having Having to kind of hang out with being in that kind of business, being having a two and a half million dollar budget, having a staff of 15 and, and really being in the trenches of, you know, how do systems work? How do I know what I do well? Know what I don't do well? How do I get clear on, on what's sustainable for me? What energizes me? Um, and, and also there's kind of that wider picture of uh, what's needed in the world. And it's re- this reason I'm doing this now is I, mm-hmm. I left that career, which was, could have taken me lots of places, but it just wasn't feeding me. So what a weird, what a uh, absolute 180. So I went to do wilderness therapy with teenagers from left Orange County, California and moved to Portland, Oregon again. And so there's something about that. We get a few times around the track and that helps. And for someone who's just starting their practice or they're, Um, this whole business side of it is kind of new and maybe a little, there's some freak out there. That's so understandable. And yet the, the process of knowing what we do well, where our strengths are and knowing the parts that like, man, this just doesn't work for me very well. And I keep bumping up against it. Maybe that's where we, we, you know, take advantage of coaching or we take advantage of more clinical supervision or whatever it is. But I, I feel grateful that I've had a chance to come. I, if I I probably would have been a terrible therapist if I'd started at 22. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd been very good.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Uh,
1: yeah, right? Uh, so there's something about that, that, that experience of the other stuff that I've had an opportunity to,
2: to hang out with.
1: It helped a lot. It's always a process of discovery, of course.
0: I think some people discount their previous experiences outside of therapy, or they, you know, some folks would go, "Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like catching up," or I'm like, you know, I've only worked, you know, in business or you know in the corporate world or wherever it is, rather Mm -hmm. than looking for the strengths and parallels that you can pull from those things, because art. Our industry, and I think even therapists as a group are very insular.
2: Mm-hmm. If that's, I think yeah. that's a
0: word, um, yep. We kind of stick to ourselves, right? And and we, mm-hmm. the longer I'm in this industry, the more I realize we keep we kind of echo the same things to each other over and over again. We we start using the same mm-hmm. language, you know, mm-hmm. especially as therapists, and like that's always yeah. been really interesting to me. And what happens is we 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 don't really cross pollinate with other uh, other industries of, of the world. And I think we should, I yeah. think we should do more of it.
1: Yeah. You there's, I, I, there's a, there's a, a, I think a kind of a, a hidden risk in being a therapist, which is this, 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 the kind of the echo chamber isolation that comes with it. You know, when you're seeing 25 clients a week and there's not much interaction outside of the consulting office, and, you know, when you're talking with colleagues or friends, you're you're in that same bubble of experience. And there's one of the reasons that I s- certainly find value in doing the other things I do is, first of all, I get to work with teenagers who aren't in distress. You know, conducting a youth orchestra means I get to hang out with teenagers that are doing pretty good, which is really in- invigorating. But there's also a way that we just get to be uh, somehow exposed to different aspects of life that we can pretty easily lose contact with. Um, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it, like it, it real experiential. So of course, through all the ways we can access information through technology or experience through technology. I'm talking about the, the, in the meat world, <laughs> in the real embodied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are the ways that we can, can do that, that feel really sustaining for us. And, Especially if we're if we're trying to build our practice and we're in that space of trying to gather information and feel like we know it all or we get we know enough and that can be really consuming and I think relaxing into that process rather than leaning in is perhaps something we can do a little better. I know I could that's at times um trusting and and there's a self-reflective part of it um, that comes with that. But yeah, getting out of the bubble, yeah, that's there's something that's very
0: important there. There's
1: This is a guy who who listens to two or three coaching podcasts a day. Right.
0: So <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: right. But <laughs> there was something that was a that was a deep dive and now. That's but,
0: right. That's yeah. right. So, that was so a sprint full, sprint full disclosure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I was I was just talking to a therapist yesterday where, <clears throat> you know, we we got on a call and she said I've listened to every single podcast I've, I've listened to yours and this one and that one and this one and all the mm-hmm. private practice something or others, and I mm-hmm. said, great. Well, how's your business going? She said, awful. I can't. I don't know what the hell to do next.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. She said, my head is so full of information, and yeah. everyone's telling me all this great stuff, mm-hmm. and I said, well. You know what I mean what what have you done with it? Uh, nothing I'm just uh, I've just basically listening to podcasts full time because that because that's that's information. I need to get it all right and mm-hmm. that's a really chaotic way to build a business. It's mm-hmm. like if you tried yeah. to download all the information about life <laughs> mm-hmm. all at once, you know what I mean all the lessons you're gonna learn over the lifetime from like from your birth onward. Oh, <laughs> and then it's like man i yep. can't, I don't know why i'm overwhelmed it's like yeah the lessons yep. you learned at 15 and then the lessons mm-hmm. you learned at 25 and 35 and 45 it's like it's in, it's incredible right and mm-hmm. what happens is you go from well i think as a business owner and as a person you go from you know i need the answers i need the answers to i can kind of find the answers i can adapt to what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's folks that are overly information seeking versus let me look at, really look at what I'm doing. Look at myself. Look how I've dealt with difficult circumstances before in life and apply that to, I don't know, building a website or, you know what I mean? Or how do I manage my money in a business now that I have a business? And mm-hmm. so we just bring this chaos into from our lives into our business and when we have that chaos in our business I can almost guarantee it's there in your life somewhere as well whether it's yeah. you know financial mess or impulsivity in your business it's you know yeah. what I mean it's usually it's mm-hmm. usually kind of trickles down right
1: Yeah and the uh, and gosh of course We've done all this training. We've really committed to this course in life. It really matters to us. It's so important. We're we're committed, and then it just kind of moves slowly. So of of course we start to we want to know how to ch- have it change. We're looking for information. We're looking for you know the <laughs> top, listen to the experts who will tell you how to do it. Yep. And the hard part is the integration takes time. Yep, it's not just gathering the information. It's taking and, and actually integrating it, and taking action steps that always involve some risk.
0: Yep, that's it.
1: It always involves committing because every time we commit to a course of action, of course, there's all the other possible possibilities that are now not available to us.
0: Well, it's so, like yeah, yeah, yeah and it's that like and we, that fear
1: is is hard to wrestle with as a especially if you're a solo practitioner because. It's just you. It's just so you. who get, who gets the blame if it doesn't work. <laughs> if it doesn't uh, work out well. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah.
0: Well, we don't do well with, with ambiguity in life. Our our brains are wired to put things into two categories one or two categories, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember, you know, probably the first time I was I had a client who was kind of pseudo suicidal.
2: Mm-hmm. you know
0: what I mean? And dealing with that, yeah. that anxiety of like, okay, are, are you suicide? Like, are you really thinking about this? Like, could you kill yourself mm-hmm. or could you not? Yeah. And, you know, do you kind of follow the check boxes that, that I know I should check. And if I check these, then I have to call someone and kind of get you in mm-hmm. trouble. And yeah. when I was um, in San Francisco, and uh, I did this training with Victor Yalom, uh, Irvin Yalom's son. He's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know existential, humanistic. And um, I remember the, the funny thing is we, we sat down and the first time I did this consult group with him, it was a bunch of evidence-based people this is not a knock on them. Cause I've, I've gone, I've right. I've done Beck Institute training and all that stuff. And I've done Yalom training and all this stuff. And, and he just, we just sat down as a group of basically CBT and evidence-based people. And he said, we have to deal constantly with the fact that therapy is an ambiguous task. The mm-hmm. role of the therapist is an ambiguous task. So how are you going to handle that? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that really struck me and it, and it, 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 I come back to that a lot. I share that a lot with other therapists because sometimes our anxiety, we make it about something else. You know, like all oh, the client didn't show up on time, or maybe the, the client, you know, didn't pay my full fee, or whatever it is. Um, or what if the client's not getting better? And it's like, listen, we're we're doing something here, where our task and our role is, in a way, quite. <laughs> can be, can feel really unclear, and you have to f- be okay with that. Because if you're not, then the client's mm-hmm. definitely not going to go anywhere. They're not going to feel yeah. comfortable if you're not. And yeah. I think again, the, just to bring it back, the parallel is is with business. You're not, you're not going to know it all. You can't protect yourself from from any bump in the road that's going to happen a year from now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just yeah. mm-hmm. you just can't. Yeah.
1: And the the thing we can do, I think, is that we can have a we can have a set of of possible strategies at play, right? So it makes sense to rather than freaking out about our website, we can kind of calmly and one step at a time work on our website. Um, and the, you know, done is done is good enough. That's and it. there's ways we can take those steps, and sometimes our our we have too much choice, we have too many options. We, you know, I still I'm going to confession time. I still haven't l- loaded up my Google AdWords, and I still really haven't done my SEOs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've kind of <laughs> done it.
0: Yeah. The problem well, is I'll, that I'll talk to you about this off air, and I'll, you know yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh,
1: right. So it's but it but it's keyed <laughs> up. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. if I really start to see a dip in my <laughs> in my referrals, I can say, "Well, I can turn my Google AdWords on. I can get. Yeah. I can start to pull some levers. I can meet with some that's more right. folks." But I don't have to put my energy and time into that now. I can just be with the clients I have.
0: Well, yeah, and, you and can by go being with the and, clients
1: I have, yeah,
0: yeah, you can go yeah. home and and relax at the end of the day, and that's the thing that therapists in private practice tend to have the hardest time with it's the working part. They've got that down. You know, I talked mm-hmm. to another therapist yesterday and I, I said, so, you know, it's him and one, one counselor that he hired and he's, he's working, you know, 50, 50 hours a week. And mm-hmm. I said, well, how's that working out for you? Not very well. And my partner's yeah. really mad because, because my partner never sees me. Okay. So why are yeah. you working so much? And it's not, you know, a lot of therapists have this problem where they they'll be in the office until nine thirty, just doing who the hell knows what. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. anxiously f- bouncing around, bouncing off the wall. And then I go, well, what would happen if you just went home? <laughs> you know, what would happen mm-hmm. if you actually yeah. just worked less and stopped creating your own madness? And the the person didn't really have an answer for me, other than I don't know how to not work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And the
1: and the part of wh- if we let go if we take our eye off the ball if we somehow because d- that that stream of tasks is absolutely endless
0: has to be it's a bottom it's bottomless
1: it has to be mm-hmm. it's a bottomless and so the only it's, it's, the only person who can who can rein that in and 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 clarify the why why are we doing mm-hmm. this what are we putting what's the fear we're we're wrestling with that we're actually not really putting directly in front of us. Or maybe there we kind of have a sense of it, but it's still yeah. really running the show. Yeah. Um. The reason I don't. The reason I don't have a group practice is that there are things I just don't have to do now that I have mm-hmm. no real genuine calling to do. You know, managing an office, managing all the the build up, the scalable tasks that have to happen in order to run a group practice well, and I've worked in a, for a program that had a really strong, we had 50 therapists and and staff. I mean, it's big, big. And I was a trainer and a supervisor for that. And I've been in it and it's like, wow, it's kind of interesting. And it's it, certainly, there's a lot of enthusiasm, but the energy that I have day to day is I want to spend it with clients. I want to spend it with one young person at a time and finding a way to be okay with that. I mean, we've talked about this. I, I toyed with opening a practice, a group practice. Um, I say, but that's just, and that's a a conversation we can only have with ourselves. It's like Mm. we have a limited amount of energy, we have a limited amount of resources, uh, time, and focus. And this this practice building process can can completely consume us if we allow it, because, as you said, there's so much information and there's so many choices. And so many tasks we can get pulled into. So kind of moving that to a manageable place mm-hmm. is, that's our work, I think. Um, and managing the fear, managing the anxiety that's about it. that. It's hard. I mean, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it's it's a daily experience for most of us. Mm-hmm. And yet, that, that makes us more effective as clinicians, I think.
0: You know, I wish more therapists could hear this message because there's too many folks out there building their business out of obligation and just craziness, just, just, just chasing who knows what fear-driven business or, or what, you know, keeping up with the Joneses within your business, which is, well, my, you know, the therapist next door did this or hired, you know, hired someone or is, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Getting the bigger office. And it's like, who cares? What do you really yeah. want? Because if you're not building a business that really works for you, where you're you're doing what you love to do with with clients you love working with, making the money you want to make, clocking out when you want to clock out and having a life outside of your business, then if you're not doing that, then what the hell are you doing? You like yeah. you know, people leave their agency jobs so they can work, stop working so much and making, you know, mm-hmm. not making what they want and, you know, dealing with the bureaucracy of, uh, of some of those uh, places. And then they build something even worse for themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. can
0: be very self-inflicted. Mm-hmm.
1: One, one of the things that I've done this, uh, maybe this will be helpful for folks is, uh, three years ago I went on some insurance panels and a year later I went off all of them for two reasons one is there was a, there was a I couldn't handle all the the, the the referral stream that comes from insurance but there was I was experiencing some some real frustration with the reimbursement rates being so low and the the added paperwork of working with insurance companies and having to make those calls and get pre-authorizations and all that stuff it's like, and so there was a that moment where I was pretty overwhelmed, and I had that, you know, this fortunate problem of having, you know, sending referrals all over the place because I couldn't see everybody. Um, but that also gave me some confidence that I could let that part of the business go. And you know, many many uh, therapists will say, "Oh my God, how how can you let that go?" Because that's such a dependable referral stream, which it yeah. is. And yet what came with it was something that just wasn't sustainable for me. Yep. yep. So we working at that, at those rates and here in Oregon, I don't know what it's like for for guys that folks out there, but mm-hmm. I have some of the insurance reimbursements that were $60 an hour.
0: It's no, and that's, that is happening is, nationwide.
1: It's, yeah. It's pretty low. And oh, it you know, if uh, first, first. So there, that, but that's a risky decision. That's, but there's a yep. clarity to that. Um, yep and then I took the other step, which is that i I raise my hourly rate even more, yep and so the this is this is risky, right? The worry is, oh people won't pay it or oh my gosh, I won't get any clients because mm-hmm. I don't have insurance, and it just hasn't come to pass yep. so far, right yep. as of today, and that's all that I can respond to. <laughs> I can't <laughs> respond to what might happen next month.
0: Well, the, the, you know, the way to deal with the fear is not to just go, well, that could never happen. It's like, you know, I had a client who's like, you know, she had a fear of, what was it, like losing her job or something. Okay. It's a normal fear, but it had become, it had become an abnormal fear for her. Something she obsessed over. And I said, it's not about not fearing losing your job. It could happen. Actually, it's about how would I deal with it if that did happen? And when you actually mm-hmm. walk through, you know, uh, that process in your mind a bit, not in an anxious way, but in a self-assured way, you go, okay, yeah, that could happen. And I would work my way through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And until folks can do that, th- they will be stuck in this pattern of, I need more information. I need more help. I'm not ready yet. I'm not mm-hmm. cut out for this and, the, and and everyone, other people are more prepared for this or, X, Y, and Z. And we start telling ourselves things that are just completely untrue versus I'm going to do something here and make a decision with the information I currently have and commit to what happens Mm. next. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's really
2: the (laughs) the
1: slow, the slow process. uh, You know, I, when we go back to, uh, you know, if we all think back to when we started our graduate degree, remember that first day, super excited, Oh my God, I got accepted to, you know, yep. wherever for my, for my master's in psychology. This is so exciting. Yep. And then we get into it and then it's week month two and month three and month four and month five and month six. It's like, Oh, this is not, you know, what, what if, what if, what if, yep. this is, yep. you know, the end is so far away, but that incremental kind of hanging with it, you know, the, hopefully all of us listening to the podcast today Is in private practice or wants to be in private practice, and is either done with their master's degree or is about to be. This this thing accumulates. There's a process and an incremental growth that happens. And trusting that that is true really can can help with the way that we we project out that it's not having fast enough, or I need to change, I need to do stuff different, and we're we're whipsawing all over the place. Yep. And having that really steady strategy of okay, I have these four or five action steps and I'm gonna put yep. them into place. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it, not change course so much, not of yep. uh, you know, rewrite our, our website copy seventy five times because it's not quite right and yep. but when we've spent forty hours doing it, rather than let it kind of just sit. Um, That's right. the same thing is gonna happen if a practice starts to sag. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to start mm-hmm. to see that, wow, I'm getting fewer calls. It's like, okay, well, let's go back and look under the hood of my website. What's going on? You know, the, mm-hmm. Your advice about KPIs is so helpful because it's not going to suddenly fall off a cliff for most of us, barring mm-hmm. something tragic. Right? There's going to be signs, and then we do our best to, as calmly as we can, respond mm-hmm. to the signals, but we do have to kind of pay attention to what's happening.
2: Yep, that's um,
1: it. And we, we have time to course correct, we really do. Yep. Um, this doesn't happen quickly. And Seth, so mm-hmm. I think that's part of where the confidence isn't that I'm so awesome, the confidence is that I trust <laughs> that what I'm doing has value, and the people who are showing up c- communicate to me again and again that it has value, and yeah. that there's the in the room feedback, but there's also that sense of it starts to tip a certain way Yep. that I trust that I'll be able to course correct. And I think we all yeah. certainly have this capacity, but it's totally. hard in business. For a lot of us, business isn't what we are trained in.
0: Totally, yeah. totally. Jeff, this is this has been um, re- really enlightening, very insightful. Um, just a very honest conversation, you know what I mean? I, I just feel like yeah. mm-hmm. more of these conversations are needed. Um mm-hmm you know, among therapists in in private practice. So I'm just, you know, and that struck me about you from the beginning is I'm just like, wow, this, this guy is very real. And you would think that all therapists are, you know, (laughs) we're all real. Right. But, you know, you just, like I said, you have that calm to, you, you have that wisdom to you. You had already found what worked and you still mm-hmm. wanted to go yeah. even deeper with your business, and 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 us working a little bit together, which I was like, wow, that's really cool. Because, you know, most people, they, I don't know, they just they just go after it in a very different way, and they keep themselves in that yeah. kind of madness. And for you, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, no, I'm just kind of staying the course, and I'm, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll I'll collaborate along the way, I'll I'll, you know, make pivots along the way, and it's all gravy. And mm-hmm. I think that's really the the way you need to come into it to really sustain in this business. So, you know, kudos to you for, for really walking that. And because I think that trickles down to your clients as well. So um, Jeff, it's, it's been, it's been a blast, man. Um, Tell folks real quick um, how they can find you and, uh, and learn more about you.
1: Yeah, sure. I John. it's been so great to catch up and talk about this This great stuff. Uh, I am at uh, com, and feel free to check in. You can leave me a message there. If you have any questions for me about the podcast, I'd be happy to be in touch with anybody who wants to connect. And such a pleasure to talk with you and I appreciate so much what you do for, for all of us out here.
0: Very cool. You're very welcome. Um, there you have it, folks. Um, we'll put the links in the show notes as always. And uh, Jeff, thanks again for being here.
1: You're welcome. Good to talk with you, John.
0: Thanks again for being here. Um, uh, As a reminder, do me a quick favor and rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you are listening. Tell a friend uh, about the show. Send them your favorite episode. It really helps us continue to grow the show and reach more people and help more people. Um, With that being said, I hope you have a great week. Take care of yourself. Continue doing great work out there in the world, serving people, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers.